Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki. And once again, I am welcomed by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. Robert, how are you doing today? Ali, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on again. Oh, of course. And we have another week to discuss uh, pretty much everything we could want about sports. So I'm not going to waste the listeners time. So let's get right to it. Let's start with the NBA because that's what everyone wants to talk about. Uh, we can brush around the first round. We kind of touched on that last week, the recap. But let's shoot right to the semifinals. And let's start with my favorite matchup of the Eastern Conference. And that's Milwaukee and Boston. And I don't just say that because our CEO is a Bucks fan, but I was very compelled by this series, uh, notably because in the other series, the Philadelphia and Miami series, we won't have Embiid, but we'll touch on that later. So quick thoughts. The series is currently tied one-to-one. Milwaukee dropped game two to Boston last night. What were your thoughts, Robert? Right, yeah, with game two, boy, oh boy, uh, we certainly have seen something that was quite different than from the game one uh, and, and the way the pace was played. I mean, so we closed Boston as a four-point favorite after seeing them go as high as five. Uh, <laughs> they won the three-point battle 20 out of 43 to the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks, three out of 18, three in an NBA game. Uh, Boston also won the rebound battle, 40 to 37 turnovers. They only turned the ball over 11 times to Milwaukee, 16. Sure. Milwaukee won the two point shooting uh, 56 to 49%. Free throws was 15 out of 23 to 13 out of 15. But bottom line, Allie, if a team wins trays by 51 points, the other stuff really doesn't matter with a series now tied one, one. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think this is where we didn't see it in the Chicago series, but this is where the bucks are going to start missing Chris Middleton. We're still not sure when he's going to come back, but they were real, you know, Giannis, he's not a three point shooter. He's one that's going to drive to the basket. And, you know, frankly, if I'm Boston, I let him shoot the twos. If, if I'm on my three point game, I'll beat you on threes all day. Now that's not saying Boston could keep up like they did last night. But I think Chris Middleton is really going to be missed in this series if he can't come back soon enough, particularly from the three-point line or even some long-point range. What's your take? Yeah, that's exactly correct. I mean, you know, going back to the pace, you know, the pace was brisk in game one, and that's basically the Bucks' comfort zone. Uh, when, when they were able to control the pace and move, you know, pretty quickly, that definitely falls into their, their wheelhouse, and that's how they ended up winning pretty handily uh, in game one, 101 to 89. So, you know, context, you know, for the pace, obviously we wanted to take a look at what happened in the regular season. And it was true. Milwaukee, I mean, it wasn't as fast as a regular season game for Milwaukee's liking, uh, but Boston really likes to, you know, chug it down and and move the ball around and typically release their three, (laughs) their three point shot right around the five, four second mark. So, you know, it's not like they're at a snail's pace, uh, but for sure, uh, the way uh, the round one was definitely round one for Milwaukee, that is, with Chicago. They really moved the ball very, very quickly. Boston, on the other hand, moved it, you know, you know, significantly slowly. So, you know, note that Boston back in game one, they needed a plus 18 point differential on the three pointers just to lose by 12 to Milwaukee. Uh, you know, completely another story here. They just kept coming out bombing threes. Boston. They just looked, I, I think actually by the end of the first quarter, they were pretty much coasting. Yeah, Milwaukee made it, you know, somewhat closer towards the very end uh, in, in the fourth. But, you know, Allie, this is, you know, game two. That was the largest three-point gap in East playoff history. Yeah, and we know they're not going to keep up the pace. Uh, I think that Milwaukee's going to come back game three and be ready for that for sure. But you're right, Boston really, they play like a college team. Like think of Virginia or another one of those slow-paced teams that just really drag the clock out, make you play defense, wear you down, and then they'll shoot up the three-point at the end. That's the dagger right, right there. So that's a that's a nice strategy to have. I don't think they can sustain it because you're not going to be on your game with the threes all the time unless you're a team like Golden State and you have Curry that can just keep shooting them up and Clay Thompson and that could just score at will. But I picked Milwaukee to win the series before the series started. I had originally picked them to beat the Nets because, you know, I had the Nets beating the Celtics. 
but I'm still sticking by Milwaukee. I, I still think that Giannis is the, is the best player on the court between the two teams. Yes, Jason Tatum is a bona fide all-star, but he's not at the level, level of Giannis yet. And I think that Drew Holiday, he needs to step up again. They need more contributions from the bench. They need Grace and Alice Allen to have the games that he had back in the Chicago series. But I still like Boston. I'm sorry. I still like Milwaukee to be Boston. And it turns the home courts now in their advantage. We go to Milwaukee for two games and the Deer District outside and just inside the arena at uh, Fisher of Arena. You know, our CEO, Mark Thomas, will tell you it's loud as could be in there. And this is one where we did touch on home court advantage last week. I think Milwaukee does own the home court advantage in these next two games. What about you? Yeah, they definitely do. And I could tell you already with the lines up for Saturday, uh, I opened the Bucks as a three-point favorite, a total you know, sitting around 213. Uh, and the series price, now that it's uh, tied one apiece, uh, and it's basically become a five-game series, uh, it's almost pick them. Uh, the Celtics are still the favorite, but only minus 120, uh, which means uh, you get the Bucks to win the series as uh, an even money uh, selection there. Uh, yeah, I, I think obviously when we take a look at home court and what it's worth, we touched on that last week where I thought that yeah, maybe it wasn't as much of a factor as it was, but we do have a little asterisk, of course, Allie. Um, Milwaukee, uh, they sure do come out and they sure do scream their heads off. Uh, if Milwaukee ends up, you know, breaking it open in the first and, you know, gets an eight point, maybe a, a 10 point lead, uh, it, it may be over. It, it might be over just simply from the crowd effect. Uh, but, you know, with the way the line is uh, being played itself out, uh, Milwaukee, again, a three point favorite for the game, a one point favorite for the first half. Uh, I, I think that that's already baked in with that home court. Uh, so Ali definitely agree with you on home court advantage. Uh, definitely being you know far stronger in effect for Milwaukee than it is for Boston. Yeah, and before the series started, I did pick Milwaukee in six games because I think they will use the home court advantage to obviously their advantage. But the key was winning one of the two games in Boston, and they did that in game one. And it's curious. I'm curious to see what what, what the plays were on the over and under because I mean both games were low scoring games. What were you What were you seeing? Yeah, no, they were. And uh, with the playoffs, you know, coming into play, obviously you're always going to find, you know, co- you know correlated parties of, you know, the favorite to the over. Uh, and, and sometimes it just keeps coming regardless of how high the total that you put. But heck, you know, if you look just across the, uh, you know, to the other side of the ledger, you know, for example, like Memphis and Golden State, they're up in the, you know, mid 220s. Right. Uh, and so it's, it's, you know, quite of a difference that you could see between, you know, the, the style of play. I think that the number is set right. And I think at the end of this game, we'll probably see that total come into play in the last minute. Uh, so I think that we'll take a look and see it. But I actually think that with the rate that they've been playing, we'll probably see it land right around, you know, 211, maybe even 210. So um, if you're looking for an, an advantage here, uh, maybe under the, under the total is probably – uh, more in, in favor than going over uh, here, Ali, in the Milwaukee-Boston game. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, when I bet over-unders, I do take into account where they are playing. And knowing that they were playing in Boston the first two games, I figured Boston was going to try to slow down the game because we mentioned it before. They're a very disciplined, slow team. They like to stretch out the, the game clock and everything. So I leaned over for both games. And, you know, it kind of worked in my favor. But for the next two games in Milwaukee, you know, I'm looking at the over right there. And then, I mean, Milwaukee's going to feed off the crowd. They're really going to fasten the pace up. And I don't think Boston's going to be able to keep up. I do think that Boston's going to be still efficient on offense. They're going to be able to get their points. But if we see Milwaukee start to create turnovers, they're going to win the, the transition game. And I think that's where Boston's totally going to falter. What about you? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, it's if you can get Boston to fall asleep for a, a part of a quarter, uh, you can definitely start to extend on them. So I think when you look at the transition game, Milwaukee could definitely own it, but that's going to have to rely on seeing Boston miss those threes. You miss threes, you get a long rebound. Transition game becomes a lot easier to play. 
leads to far easier layups and dunks. So <laughs> that's the that's the whole trick here, Ali. Right? You got to miss those threes. And after seeing Game Two, and they were unconscious. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sticking by my pick. I still say Milwaukee in six. I think that if you are going to bet the series, you know, go ahead and get that even money bet in. It's not great value, but this is one series where I think you're better off betting game by game. Boston's obviously not going to shoot as many three, well, make as many threes as they did the last game. Milwaukee pretty much got embarrassed. And we saw in the Chicago series when they got embarrassed at home, they just came back and just exploded in the next uh, few games just to totally dismantle Chicago. So I think Milwaukee does bounce back the next game. I think they cover the three points. Uh, We'll see what the spread is in game four, but I like Milwaukee to win these next two at home. I think maybe they'll lose in Boston in game five and ultimately win in game six. What are you taking? Well, uh, if I took, I know you took the Celtics to win in the, I I, I took the Celtics to win the title. My mind's not going to be any changing, uh, you know, (laughs) right now after just two games. But uh, with with that being said, if Milwaukee does win this game and just going on the game by game uh, theory of, of wagering uh, from a betting perspective, should Milwaukee win? uh, You can count on the point spread, probably reaching three and a half to four for, um, uh, the next the next game after that. So uh, you know, from a points by perspective, again, a lot may change. You know, right now we're still taking a look at possibly having. I mean, it's you know the game's not till Saturday, so plenty could happen. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown uh, pulled his hamstring, so right. he's probable. Uh, Smart, his thigh is you know still probably aching. So I mean, look, first of all, if Brown and Smart don't play, Milwaukee wins this one for fun. Oh, easily, yeah. But, that, you know, that, like, that's yeah. Just looking at an official injury report, you know, just you know, to announce it, you know, is, is one thing to be considering. Uh, but I don't know. I, I have a feeling that because they have so much time to rest, I think both of them will come back. And, uh, you know, if Brown and Smart are playing, you could probably count on uh, a defense probably coming in, probably a lot more because obviously Smart missed the last game. They still won regardless. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, Al, you're absolutely right. Transition will lead to easier baskets, will lead to a Milwaukee Bucks win here. All right. So so final uh, thoughts. Are you taking the Bucks then, or are you sticking with your Celtics for this No, year? absolutely not. I'm taking – absolutely I'm taking the Celtics here. <laughs> Hopefully Mark Thomas isn't listening. <laughs> but, well, anyway, let's move on. Uh, so this next series, you and I were both excited for when we talked, I think, about two weeks ago. We were – uh, foreshadowing the Heat and the Sixers playing each other, but then Joel Embiid went down, and that took a lot of the excitement out of the series, which was a shame because I was really looking for a bead to set up, up against the Heat. Now we have James Harden's going to have to lead a Sixers team he's only been with for a little less than half a season. So, what's your take on the series so far? Nah, yeah. If you just take a look at what happened in Game Number One uh, with the heat closing as a seven and a half point favorite. They won one Oh six 92. They hit uh, nine of 36. I mean, so they just, well, actually both teams they combined for 73 pointers, but uh, Miami hit nine to Philly's six. They out rebounded them 47 to 37 turnovers. They only turned the ball over 11 times to the 76ers 14. Uh, where else could I see an edge here? Well, uh, the Sixers actually won two point shooting 62 to 54%. Um, free throws was pretty much right down the middle. Um, the pace was really slow. We were talking about the pace with Milwaukee and Boston. This one's even slower. Um, and then if you just look at the, the total for tonight's game, uh, in Miami, you know, first off, Miami is still an eight point favorite here. Uh, even with Tyler hero as a question mark with his sore ankle, mm-hmm. but the total is uh, 207 and a half. Some places 208. So that's, that's really, really slow compared to even, you know, the Milwaukee Boston series. Uh, I, I don't know if Harden could lead the Sixers without Embiid. No, um, no. He's, he's, he's going to definitely heave up as many shots as he can and, and, and do what he can. But I honestly, I, at this point, uh, look, I, I understand the games in Miami and things will change when they, you know, play the next two uh, in Philly after tonight. But um you know, with, with just looking at the series prices, once I know that I, I start moving the Miami Heat to, you know, minus 700 
uh, and, and the Sixers to five to one just to win the series, it, it's going to be very difficult for, you know, for, for a team to come back uh, just based off of the odds that we set. So no Embiid probably means no series win. And that's, that's how I'm going to just go ahead and lay it out. If he's not playing, he's not, they're not going to win no matter what. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And at this point, Miami doesn't even need to rush back Kyle Lowry to return. You know, he could sit out while Embiid's out. He could rest up, get ready for the Eastern Conference Finals. But I honestly don't think there's much competition in this series without Embiid. Uh, in my blog, I took Miami with a gentleman's sweep and five if, if Embiid stays out, which I have a feeling that he will stay out unless, you know, they go down 2-0. I don't know if they'll try to rush him back or what, but... I think he stays out for the series. James Harden, you know, we've, we've just seen this, this show before. We've seen it with Brooklyn last year. We've seen it for years with Houston. I mean, the guy just, he's a postseason failure. He just, he can't get lead a team. And, you know, we saw even with the Houston team, that one series when Chris, in, uh, when they were playing the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, Chris Paul goes down. They had game six and game seven. They just needed to win one game against the Warriors and Harden couldn't lead them. And I, I just don't think Harden's that leadership when it comes to the postseason. You know, in the regular season, he can put up his threes. He can draw the fouls as many as he wants. But in the postseason, he just blanks. He just looks lost. And even in game one, you know, he didn't take his usual amount of shots. I think he was, um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. He's five for 13 from the field two for seven from the three. I mean, I'm used to him throwing up double digit three pointers. It just looks like he took a step back in the, the game. What do you think? Yeah. No, not only did he take a step, uh, take, take, take a step back alley. Easy enough for me to say, uh, Joel Embiid, look, we, we know that he's MVP caliber and, and that's, that, that's never going to change. I actually think that, you know, Harden's probably better suited as a third option. Forget about yeah. second or first like it is tonight. So they're not built to win, you know, the title right now based on, you know, how NBA games are being played. They probably need, uh, honestly, either a small forward or a point guard that's, you know, capable of taking outside shots and extending that perimeter even more for Embiid. And so until that happens, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to, you know, uh, you know, stay close. I mean, look, even with, let's say, if, if Embiid was still playing, right, the series prices still be pretty significantly in Miami's favor. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just the way Miami's built versus Philly. Uh, I, I don't think that there's going to be much uh, of a difference of opinion on who would be a higher seed. I mean, Miami's just proven it all the way throughout. That's why they're the number one seed. Um, Philly, sorry, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's Philly's characteristic, you know, another failure for Doc Rivers, Daryl Morey, you know, taking over as president of operations. Again, we saw what he did with his Houston teams. It's like they just build superstars after superstars and they just throw everything they can against the wall and see what fits. And we've seen it even like with the Lakers teams this year, trying to put Russ Westbrook with Anthony Davis and LeBron, you know, just because you're a scoring machine in the regular season doesn't mean you mesh well with whatever team you go on. And if you look at the Heat, you know, Jimmy Butler, on most teams, he's not a number one player. But he seems to fit in this Heat, uh, in this heat roster, and he does make the guys around him play better. And you could see that so visibly on the court with these guys, you know, Kelly Oubre. Um, I'm sorry, not Kelly Oubre. Bam Adebayo and PJ Tucker, like they just come to life with him. And then you have an even deeper bench where you have Tyler Hero, like you said, sixth man of the year, and even the Victor Oladipo, though he hasn't contributed that much, but you have a bench with this team. And that's what wins you the postseason is having that depth and not just relying on two to three guys to do all the scoring for you. So I think that this one's over relatively quickly. It's my hammies to lose at this point. Um, and like you mentioned the, the total before I think, you know, when you see a total like number like that, what would you say it was Robert 206 about yeah, now? 207 and a half. Yeah. So they're, they're Vegas is begging you take the over because any, you know, public better is just going to see that low total and just go ahead and take the uh, over. And that's my favorite type of bet. Cause I go against the public all the time. 
And I'm totally on the under for that one. What about you? Yeah, contrarian. I can't uh, fault you there at all. Again, if you just look at the injury report, Miami, we're just talking about their depth. And yet their bench is one question mark after another. Max Struess, hamstring, P.J. Tucker, calf, Caleb Martin, ankle, Gabe Vincent, knee, Kyle Lowry. Well, he's definitely now out. That was declared yeah. uh, early yesterday. So with all of these injuries, they're still an eight-point favorite. However, uh, you know, that's why we baked in the number uh, of the total that it is. So when you, when you play the game and you look at the injury report, I mean, Hero is going to make a big difference. Obviously, if he plays – and the word gets out that he's definitely playing because right now he's still questionable. Uh, you're going to see everyone come in and, you know, play over the total for sure. We already know what's the definite Miami wins. You know, the only question is, do they cover? Uh, but if he plays, you know, that total is going to jump probably to 208, uh, 208 and a half, maybe even 209. So uh, if you're one for projecting and uh, you're, you're watching something happening, uh, you know, in Miami, uh, and you find out that Tyler Hero is definitely a go after warmups. Well, you know, go ahead and you have your play right there. Yeah, I'm curious. So let's let, we both are in agreement that this is going to be a relatively short series that he's going to win. Let's play. I want to guess what's what do you have the series prices if the Celtics face against the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, I would say. You have heat would be favored in that. Um, heat minus 200 to win the series mm-hmm. against Celtics. Oh, Allie, I'm gonna tell you right now, we are absolutely going to be making a wager on this series if it comes out this way. <laughs> Coffee on the line, at least. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think your number is, um, is a little high. Okay. I, I would probably venture towards another angle, but uh, let's write that down on my legal pad uh, because um, I sure do like my cold brew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say that because too, it, I could see it. I think Milwaukee and Boston are going to go at least six or seven games. If the Heat get through in either a sweep or a gentleman sweep, they're going to have a lot more rest and they're going to have the home court advantage. Though I will be curious to see some of those totals if it is the Heat and if it is the Celtics because those are two like low scoring games I could see. Yeah, no doubt. Um, no, you're not going to see your the totals probably for Game One and Two. You'll probably see, you know, down in the two hundred six ranges. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually think that if Milwaukee does go up against the Heat, I like Milwaukee's chances a little better than the Heat because. I just think Milwaukee matches up against the Heat a lot better. I think Giannis totally takes over the court in that sense. But I would guess if it was Milwaukee versus the Heat, I'd say about I, – I think the Heat was to be favored. But I would say maybe Heat minus 175 for the series. i go even lower. Even lower. Right. See, I was I being generous. <laughs> yeah, i go even lower. I think that my that Miami would be – Dollar forty, and I think okay. that's a little, I think that might even be a little bit high. Okay. Plus, Both again, we have there. to talk about. I don't know. We have to talk about Middleton. Um, yeah. If he's there, that'll change my number completely. But uh, at this point, I I don't know if he's going to come back the rest of this postseason. Yeah, that that's a tough injury to to come back from, and then if he does, you know, we talked about even with Devin Booker a few weeks ago, you know, what's his, what, what kind of status is that going to be? You know, is he going to be a hundred percent? Is he going to be 75%? Uh, At this point, there's no need to rush him back. I think if they fall further against Boston, there may be chatter, but I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if he does come back, but all good stuff. Um, I'm still predicting a Bucks versus heat Eastern conference finals. You got the Celtics and the heat. Uh, so we have a good week of basketball ahead. I'm excited for it. Very but much. Yes. Yes. Let's move on now to the Western conference finals. Um, we will start with Dallas and Phoenix and I want to get your thoughts. So we have Luca back. Uh, they did not play well. Game one. We have game two tonight. I see that Dallas is a six point underdog, which I mean, I like my points, so I'm going to be out over that. What's your take? Remember when Rocky was just getting absolutely blasted into oblivion by Apollo Creed? 
Of course. <laughs> okay, right. So what am I saying is here? Phoenix is like, okay, Luca, go. Go ahead. Give us everything. Go unload. And he did. He went absolutely mm -hmm. berserk. Phoenix yeah. still won. Phoenix still right. won. Um, you know, they out-rebounded them significantly, 51 to 36. Uh, Mavericks uh, hit 16 threes uh, to only 11. Uh, you know, that being said, uh, the, the shooting percentage was still right there. It's 41 to 39%. Turnovers were pretty much even. Both of them made 18 free throws. I mean, the Suns led 96 to 79 after three quarters. So there's, there's really... I think it just basically said, look, we could let Luca go and do anything he pleases. Don't worry about him. Just, mm -hmm. you know, man up on him and, and just let him shoot. Just let him keep shooting because he can't score a hundred. Right. And even if he does, <laughs> they're still going to lose. So this became, you know, the, the, the one man wrecking crew. And it, it looks like it's playing into Phoenix's uh, wheelhouse because they're able to score at will. It looks like they'll probably score in the one twenties. Uh, you know, for the rest of this series, now that Booker looks pretty darn good, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's it's going to end up being you know an, a place where I I don't think I mean initially I, I really wanted to see how much else could happen. I mean, look, you put up 114 points, you would think you're in the mix, but it was it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close, you know. And, and I think that ultimately this this could be the one series where we see a sweep. Yeah, and it's a shame because I actually did go out on a limb and I picked Dallas to upset Phoenix, uh, just thinking that Luca could just come out and totally blow away the competition, which he can. It just he has literally no help. Not having Porzingis behind him, I think that actually now does hurt them in the playoffs. So it's just hard to, for me to see Luca just go down again in the postseason. We saw them collapse to the Clippers last year. And it's just a shame because I really like Luca. I really want to see him get to a Western Conference Finals and eventually a Finals. But I don't know. The Mavericks have to do something else. You know, they have to do something in the offseason. What do you think? Yeah, no, no doubt. And again, just looking at the series price, even though uh, both uh, Phoenix and the Miami Heat are up only one nothing, we've got them on the series price way, way up. You know, uh, we said the Heat were a $7 favorite to win the series already. Suns are similar. We're up to already a $6 favorite to win this series. So uh, it, it's going to take a lot more, uh, you know, in the arsenal that, you know, Dallas is going to have to bring to win this series. And they're still not addressing, you know, their defense, their, their defensive, uh, you know, efforts really, really not there at all. And, and I don't know if, I mean, it, it's really not so much of pace, um, you know, the Mavericks obviously made the spread interesting in the final minutes. Uh, the, both offenses were super efficient, you know, but in, in the end, I just think that there was far, far too little, you know, coming out of everything else that was not named Luka Doncic for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, and you talk about bad beats. I did have Dallas plus six to round out the parlay I had with the, um, with the heat covering the other night. And it looked great. It was like 114 to 119 with, I think, like seven seconds to go. Ouch. Yeah, that, that's, that's a bad beat at its finest. That's just one where you just sit at the television and just stare and be like, how did that just literally go from winning a three-team parlay to it just being washed away? <laughs> <laughs> but that's where you got to love betting. I mean, you know, for the people that did have Phoenix minus six, that was a blessing in disguise for them. So, yeah, I, I just think this is too much now for Dallas to overcome. All of Phoenix's starters scored in the double digits the other night. I think that Dallas is going to have a hard road to climb. Now, that's not saying that Phoenix could somehow go cold. But if Dallas doesn't do something about their defense, it, they're not getting they're not even getting a win in this series. And again, like I said, it's a shame, but we'll move on to the next exciting series, which I've just been blown away by the two games so far. I've watched them all with barely taking my eyes away from the TV because there's just so much action going on between Memphis and Golden State. So I'll just say it up front. I love this series so far. You're watching two of the most exciting teams in the NBA 
one just that's just full of youth in, in the Grizzlies with John Morant leading them. And another one, which is the veteran experience between Thompson, Curry, and Green in the Warriors. So quickly, Robert, I want to get your initial thoughts on the first few games of the series. Right. So I'm, I'm noticing something really interesting with Golden State Warriors. And temporarily, they have a real discomfort with the pace that this game is being played at. They're, you know, going back to Denver, the Warriors were up, you know, four nothing straight up, three and one against the spread versus Denver at a moderate pace of all five of the games. But they're one and two straight up and 0 and three against the spread versus either, you know, Denver or Memphis when the pace moves up significantly. So now Memphis has reached their comfort level in six of eight playoff games. Obviously, you know, we have a potential for cause and effect issues, you know. But if we just take a look at Golden State's trays versus Denver, when the pace is at their liking, meaning a little bit slower uh, than what Memphis is used to, and certainly what Denver did in their one win, um, they shot in game one, this is a Golden State, they shot 45.7% from three, game two was 42%, game three, 45%, game five, 42%. So again, with slower pace, they have deadly deadly accuracy from three-point land now when we take a look at a significantly faster pace in that one win for denver and memphis two games here um the uh warriors shot only 35 percent from three in game one against memphis they shot 36 and guess what happened in game two 18 percent so it's just something to monitor right so i i just think that when the pace goes slower Warriors look great. The moment it starts to speed up, which, you know, obviously is everything that Ja wants, it ends up becoming, you know, really, really scatterbrained. And I don't know if this is, <laughs> I mean, look, all things being considered, Saturday, the first game, you know, in Golden State, in the Bay Area, we already have him as a six and a half point favorite. I opened them at six. It's up to six and a half with a total of 226 and a half. So even with a uh, significantly higher pace, which is what we're calling for in, in terms of the total. Uh, we still have the Warriors winning this one pretty handily, Allie. Yeah, I, I mean, you know me from the beginning. I have the Warriors winning the, all of it, winning the finals against Milwaukee. I, I really love this Warriors team, but you made an amazing point with the three-pointers because, yeah, you look at last night, I mean, Clay Thompson and Curry, they were combined five for 23 from three, like you're not winning that game. And then you throw in Andrew Wiggins, who was one for seven too. You're not winning shooting 18% from three, but I do think that the series turns in golden state will bring up again, home court advantage greatly benefits golden state. That arena just is screaming. And a few of my friends that are warriors fans made a good point too. They're like, when you go into that arena in golden state, the thing that sets that crowd off more than anything is a Curry three-pointer. It doesn't matter when in the game it is, but when Curry shoots up a three, no matter like if it's from half court almost or right at the three-point line, it's just electrifying in there. And Golden State's a team that really does also feed off of its crowd. So I think these next two games are going to go in Golden State's favor. I think Memphis might come back and be its pesky self in game five and win at home, but ultimately this series is going to end, in my opinion, in six in Golden State. I just think that John Morant and the Grizzlies, they're going to be a team for the next few years that are going to be contenders. I see a lot of Phoenix in them. I think they're missing maybe just one veteran guy like a Chris Paul was to Phoenix who came in and then took them to the finals, but they just don't have the experience that Steph Curry and the Warriors have. I mean, this is a dynasty, again, reborn, in my opinion, with the Warriors. So I really like the Warriors to win the series. What's the current pricing app, by the way, Robert, just to know? Right. With the series tied now at one apiece, uh, and obviously it, the Warriors getting that one win on the road, uh, we still have them as a big favorite. The Warriors are uh, 320 to win 100 in the series, and uh, the Grizzlies plus 270. Uh, so uh, wager 100, win 270, get paid 370 in the series price here. So, and, and of course, you know, knowing everything that happened, injuries, of course, are just going to keep taking a toll on every single club 
yesterday. Uh, Gary Payton, uh, oh boy, I guess Gary Payton the second. Um, yeah, <laughs> I still remember his dad uh, absolutely locking down everybody, and uh, you know here we are seeing his kid who's you know was really really good. Um, he's going to be out for the rest of the series. His elbows you know pretty much shattered uh, early on in the game, and so even with him being out, and uh, you know hopefully we see uh, Iguodala return to sort of offset. About you know the missing guard work, uh, you know that's obviously all again baked into the numbers. So that's why we still have Golden State as a six and a half point favorite instead of something significantly less. Yeah, I mean that's a big serious price, and I, I never bet something with odds like that. I mean anything in the minus three hundreds, the amount you got to risk just to win is just not for me. Even though I like series betting, this is a series where I would just bet Golden State at home the next two games. I'd look at the over, especially in Golden State, even some prop bets. I mean, John Morant, like, is this a guy that we're just going to say for years to come is just a sure thing to score 35 plus every night? What do you think? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and just welcome a short 10 second flashback. As I said to myself, man, I really, really think he's going to have a great, great career as long as he stays healthy. Maybe, maybe the Knicks could get him here in the draft. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was a Knicks fan some time ago, and I was saying, you know, there's, there's a chance he could really electrify this entire, entire franchise. Uh, no, didn't happen, didn't work out. Uh, but it, that being said, um, you know, I, I think that he's going to be an, a perennial all-star for the rest of his career. Yeah, he's just, I mean, he, again, electrifying. That's That's the correct word for him. Like, he's just, he gets the ball in his hand. And I don't think I've seen anyone in recent history that can just go from one basket to another as fast as him. And he, as small as he is, he just bulldozes the competition. Like he doesn't, he, he just doesn't care how big a guy is under the net. He's going to go up for that shot and just take it. Uh, he, I just love watching him. And he's really the opposite of Curry in a sense. Curry, you know, he'll sit behind the three and just shoot them all day. But John Morant just gets in there. And you got to applaud that. So, I mean, if for our listeners out there, you know, look at some prop bets. I love prop bets. I don't bet prop bets enough. But when I look at a series like this, I'm going to take, you know, the over on Morant scoring, you know, 35, 40 points, however many assists, however many rebounds. Hey, bet him getting a triple double if you want. Uh, what are some other prop bets you like, Robert? If you look at individual player props, you definitely want to take a look at Things like uh, the surrounding players. So uh, let, let's just go ahead and use, you know, John Morant as an example. Uh, should you find yourself interested in betting a player prop, the first thing that I would do is look at the following game that's coming. So uh, obviously we have the game coming up on Saturday. You want to pull up the injury report, right? Because if there are people that aren't going to play, for example, Dylan Brooks, um, the shooting guard, he's possibly going to be suspended for absolutely, you know, ripping apart Gary Payton's elbow. So if he doesn't play, what does that mean? Cause and effect. There's going to be a lot more asked of John Morant as if there's not already being asked a lot of, but with no Dylan Brooks on the court, you're going to see John Morant take the ball you know, and, and be asked to score even more. So where there's injuries, there means that there's opportunity someplace else. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, on the other side with the Warriors, I mean, Draymond Green is always just like one inch away from getting tossed with a flagrant. So he's, you know, a guy, if you're going to think about props, it's like the guy can be ejected at any moment. He's just a loose cannon. <laughs> but this has been a totally fun series. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's well, let's guess uh, series pricing again for the Western Conference Finals, because we're both in agreement. I think Phoenix is going to make quick haste of Dallas, but if we have Phoenix versus Golden State, I mean, I think that's in, I think that's as close as an even series pricing as you're going to get. Am I wrong? No, not at all. Uh, first, uh, my first number that popped into my head is minus one ten both ways. Yeah, that seems about right. And like I said, I personally picked Golden State to win it all. I'm going to stick with Golden State to win it all, and they've done everything to prove to me that they are so far the best team, at least in the Western conference this year. 
uh, at least the way they just played the last few games. I just don't think that Phoenix has had the competition to really show me anything. They struggled a bit against New Orleans, and I know Devin Booker missed a few games, but there was a point we thought New Orleans as an eight seed could potentially upset them. And now with Dallas, you know, you just see the uh, game one just proved how they lack so much depth and they lack defense. So I think they're in for a surprise when they play Golden State, just how much stiffer the competition is between an elite team like that. So I'm going to stick with Golden State being the Western Conference representatives. What's your pick right now? Yeah, I, I, if you just go off of <laughs> if you just go off of my future pool prices, I literally just pulled it up, and amazingly enough, I have the Warriors to win the title at plus two fifty. I've got the Suns to win the NBA title at plus two fifty. It's literally split right down the middle in terms of not only tickets, but money. And those two are the, the, the favorites to win the title right now in our future pool. So if I had to, you know, split the hair right now, everything all being equal and everyone's, you know, playing. So we have a, we have a booker that's playing and obviously, you know, we're not going to have Gary Payton, but if we have an Iguodala playing, honestly, I could probably split this one right down the middle uh, home court would go to Phoenix. So I, I'd still make it minus 110. Honestly, uh, there's one of those two, obviously, is going to hope to get out of it healthy. Because uh, if it's not, you know, they're going to obviously going to have to put up with either, well, uh, I guess we could take a look at the other side some other time. But right now, heck, Alley, um, I'll pick the Warriors. There we go. <laughs> well, what what are odds? Uh, let's get more into odds right now. What are the odds in the Eastern Conference Finals between? The, well, let's discount uh, Philadelphia because they're not doing anything without Embiid. But between Miami, Milwaukee, and Boston, what are their odds right now to win the Eastern Conference Finals? So again, uh, your mileage may vary, uh, but I'm currently offering the Milwaukee Bucks at seven to one to win the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Miami Heat at five to one to win the title, and the Boston Celtics also at five to one to win the title. So it's it's really really close. Uh, all three right now are you know e- equally matched. But again, it, it's all it all comes down to injury and, and how healthy you're going to come back. Uh, the Bucks with Middleton would be you know obviously the, the big big favorite here. Um, you know and if, and if Boston I. Yeah. I honestly still say this. If Boston comes in to the Eastern Conference Final and the NBA Championship Series with a healthy, smart, a healthy roster, a healthy, a healthy starting five, I, I have them winning the title. Wow. I'm sticking by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think easily, I mean, we see so much more competition right now in the Eastern Conference Finals between the top guys. Yeah, I, I don't think you could go wrong with any of the three teams. I'm going to stay by my pick of Milwaukee being the representative again. I know that my boss would agree with me <laughs> being from Milwaukee. Uh, he will. Yeah, I, I don't think – you know what? I, I think at five to one between Boston and Miami and at seven, seven to one with Milwaukee, I mean, those are all good values you're getting there. So I think you should – I think to our listeners, go with your gut of the three teams you like the best between them to at least get to the finals and, and take one. Uh, it's not, this is a situation where as me not being a big futures better, I would take a shot with the seven to one Miami, uh, sorry, Milwaukee to go there. They're my pick. So I'm going to stick to my gut. And that's the best advice I can give any better in the world is don't listen to me, but stick to your gut. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree with that too. No one cares more about your money than you. No, no. <laughs> I always tell that when people ask me for my advice, they're like, oh, who do you like? I'm like, well, I'll tell you who I like, but don't listen to me. Because <laughs> I'm not because it's like I don't want to hear it if I'm if, if I if I'm not right. And you got to yell at me because you lost one hundred dollars. It's like, don't listen to me. <laughs> take take your money and do what you want with it. Right. But what teams are getting the most action right now to not only just win the Eastern and Western Conference finals, but to win the finals overall? So, um, again, uh, knowing the geographical location of my sports book here at Baldini's up in Sparks and Reno, we had a lot of visitors that come in and a lot of, 
uh, expats, you know, from the Bay Area. So the most tickets we have written by far is on the Golden State Warriors. Mm. Uh, and so the most dollars as well are on the Warriors. Uh, that being said, you know, we have a lot of sharp money coming in from all points. And uh, right now, I think uh, looking at the next, it is on the heat. So actually, there's more tickets written on the heat than the Warriors, but there's more dollars written on the Warriors and the Heat. So there, there's, there's one little angle in terms of uh, public being uh, you know, on one side or another based on the ticket count or the dollar, the dollar amount. Uh, next up right behind them, Boston Celtics. Got it. Yeah, well, Boston, they do like their Celtics. I went to college up there, and I know they're very passionate about their sports teams, and they're big betters too, so you can't fault them for taking the Celtics. So. We have, a, we have a really exciting time right now with the NBA playoffs. I know you and I could talk about this all day, and we'll be talking about it again next week, but we have about 10 minutes or so left. I know it's another hour that just flew by between us, as they always do. Always. But we do have a big uh, horse race coming up this weekend, Kentucky Derby. I love the Kentucky Derby. I always tell everyone that's how I learned how to read. I used to go with my dad to Monmouth Park Racetrack in New Jersey. And he taught me how to handicap, so I learned how to read from a racing form. <laughs> That's That was my intro to sports betting and gambling. So I, I love horse racing. You know, I live right by Santa Anita. Before I had my daughter, I used to go all the time, uh, even down to Del Mar, just gorgeous down there. So I'm a big horse racing fan. But I want to ask you uh, right now, give us a Kentucky Derby preview. Who are the best odds to win? What horse are getting the most action? And some sleeper picks. Allie, actually, let me just start by saying I can't believe you just asked me this. This is so great. It's been so (laughs) many years since I was able to actually talk about thoroughbred racing. And this is something that I grew up with similarly like you. Oh yeah. I've been, I've been I begging yeah. our CEO to get it on our app. I'm like, we need horse <laughs> book racing. He's like, ah, I don't really know too much about, not that he doesn't know too much about it. He's like, ah, I don't really like follow it as much. And I'm like, no, I need to take you to Santa Anita for a day and show you how to bet. And you'll want to come back every single day. There's nothing like or- the smell of a horse track and everything. Yeah, exactly. No, or, or we could just, you know, if he would prefer to stay down on the East coast, we could just take him to Gulfstream. No, no big deal. It's there a great track too. So <laughs> first off, thank you again uh, for bringing up the Derby, because this is, this is something that I used to do, I mean, constantly. And obviously with the Derby being the race of the year, this is where you get your top three-year-olds, and in some cases, your top two-year-olds uh, in you know, the greatest North American race that we have. So with that being said, let's handicap this, shall we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's two true short prices in this year's field. Uh, the favorite Zandon's, uh, at least on, you know, Churchill Downs morning line, they have him the favorite at three to one. Uh, the second choice epicenter is seven to two. Uh, two other horses are also in the mix at the top of the Kentucky Derby odds board in Messier at eight to one and Taiba at 12 to one. So for those looking for an angle over the last 10 years, morning line favorites have finished first six times, second twice third once and off the board once that's uh, the one in uh, maximum securities, 2019 DQ. Uh, so if you're going to use one of the two favorites as a reasonable play, and if you're only choosing one, uh, the obvious place to start would be with epicenter who dusted sand on once already in the risen star stakes at fair uh, at the fairgrounds in February. So in fact, epicenter torched four of Saturday's rivals in that race, Sandon, pioneer of Medina, smile, happy and Tony port. So, that's basically the intro to what the field's going to look like, uh, you know, from, you know, top to bottom in terms of what the favorites look like. If we take a look at the futures, which I opened up not too long ago, um, we, we are starting to get some play that's starting to build up significantly on Crown Pride, who's having some really amazing workouts uh, and, and he's just really showing top, top form. So if you're looking for uh, some kind of a price, I would say uh, Crown Pride. We're currently offering him uh, in, in our fixed pool at 32 to one. It's probably going to be closer to 20 to one if you're betting them on track or pari mutually. Uh, another sleeper pick, Classic Causeway. 
I mean, poor classic Causeway, you know, you, you run one bad race after two solid wire jobs and now you're 70 to one, uh, you know, it, obviously his, his fastest buyer speed figure, that's the figure that's set up by Andy Byer decades ago that uh, puts a number on the race that was just run by the horse. And that basically tells you uh, the performance based on a number of factors. So his biggest buyer figure was actually back uh, in his debut in September, 2021. So maybe that's why they're forgetting about him. He hasn't touched 90, which uh, you know, is, is a pretty darn good number uh, since the Tampa races, uh, you know, way back, you know, earlier in the year. So uh, boy, oh boy, uh, Ali, I don't know if we've, we've got a pick here from you, but if we're taking a look at some of the prices uh, and, and just taking a look at the field now that we have them all lined up, all 20 in a row, um, you have a pick here? You know me, I don't ever take the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. So I'm going to go with a horse. Um, I'm a big jockey better. Uh, I grew up, uh, I remember Tommy Turner, uh, Tommy Turner was always my favorite jockey when I was a kid and I would bet him on every horse he ran. Now that was just me being like eight years old and telling my dad to put a $2 bet on, but I do love betting my jockeys. I bet them more than the trainer and I bet them more than the owner. So when I was looking at the field and everything, of course, I'm not going to take one of the top three favorites. I want to get some value. So I'm looking at a 30 to one right now. Happy Jack. Cause I love Raphael Bajaran. I could never pronounce his name right. Bajarano, like he's one of my favorite jockeys. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Bajarano. Yeah, Bajarano. He's one of my favorite jockeys. He's always running at Santa Anita, and I just love him when he's an underdog. I can't tell you how many times at Santa Anita over the past few years, I bet him when he's not one of the top three favors, favorite to win, and he always comes through for me. So, like I said, I'm a big jockey better, so that's who I'm looking at. You know, he, I always look at a horse that's not talked about a lot that real, that's going to get me a lot of value for my, you know, however $10 maybe I put down on him, but he's my guy and I'm going to stick with him. I like him over any of the other jockeys there, even though you have some great veterans like Mike Smith and Veliquez and Flavian Pratt. So he's my, he's my dark horse. He's my long shot to win. Will he win? I don't know. I we've seen crazy things happen in the Derby of long shots winning. So that's the horse I'm sticking with. How about you? Well, so again, if we take a look, first of all, never going to fault anybody for taking a price. Uh, obviously a, a horse like happy Jack in the two holes is going to have to have uh, a really steady and right. significant strategy. Uh, either you want to go ahead and let everybody go ahead of you and run them down or get way to the front because otherwise you'll be eating an awful lot of mud. Uh, and that's sometimes something that horses simply don't want a piece of. And so uh, happy Jack known, you know, for a, a ton of success in his racing career so far, I would probably think that he's one that's going to want to get out front. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you're going to have an awful lot of other horses that are going to want to set the pace with him. So um, it, it's going to take the perfect race. Uh, currently I've got him. <laughs> as high as you can go 99 to one. Oh wow you got so, a lot higher than other places if but, you're hey. looking for yeah if you're looking for a price uh you know that there's no you know there's no reason why you wouldn't want to back a horse at a price like that um you know earlier on I, I took a look at some of the other horses um honestly I think if I had to go and find a price right now I'd look at crown pride that's the seven uh, you know, you're probably going to be getting a price anywhere between 20 to 30 to one when the paramutual pools open up. Uh, and then I probably would look at either Cyberknife or Classic Causeway. Classic Causeway is a big price right now. Mm -hmm. I have them way up at 50 to one. Uh, Cyberknife, the 16. So it's a 16 is Cyberknife. He's currently 20 to one, probably close somewhere close to that. Classic Causeway, get up, probably get up in the 40s and 50s. So there's some prices right there. Obviously, you know, if you just look at historical, uh, you know, performances at one hole in the 20 hole, almost impossible to win the Kentucky Derby from that position. But, you know, honestly, if, if you're looking for an angle, uh, you know, consider epicenter in your exotic bets, the trifectas, superfectas, because uh, again, they, they seem to be, you know, really, really uh, capable of hitting the board. Uh, especially as I mentioned at the start of this, the, uh, the morning line favorite would be uh, 
almost impossible to knock out of the top three, much less the top four. And honestly, if you're looking at the prices, there's essentially price ceilings that occur for the primary contenders. So I think the market won't allow Epicenter at or above four to one without quickly correcting it, uh, correcting it back down. Uh, similarly for Taiba and Messier, nine to one, uh, it seems too high for Taiba. Uh, 10 to one seems to be too high for Messier. So uh, knowing that you're probably gonna be looking at odds of those prices in the top four uh, currently as they're the morning, morning line favorites there. Yeah. And, you know, I, t- I say I don't bet favorites, but I do <laughs> sometimes. But yeah, for a thing like the Kentucky Derby, I'm going to take a big, heavy, long shot like Happy Jack, just because I like I said, I like the jockey. I got to always bet a long shot when it's a big race like that, because, again, you never know what happens. And I have seen I've been at the racetrack many times where I see a long shot like an 80 to one or 91 come in there and just totally destroy someone's trifecta or exacta, even if they place or show. But yeah, no, realistically, when I do my trifecta bet, I'm going to put a messier. I'm going to put in an epicenter in there. I'll probably take a shot at like a cyber knife, you know, at 20 to one and whatever. But when I just bet one horse to win, I'm going to just do the happy Jack. He's I like the jockey. Do I think he's going to win? No, but can he win? Maybe. I mean, we've seen crazy things happen in the Derby and that's why I love the Derby because it really is an open field of all these horses and just, just the, uh, it, Robert, is there any better sound than when you hear that gate open? Oh no, the ring of the, hey, oh. again, this is, you, I was just actually having a conversation about uh, ASMR. <laughs> if you could tell me, uh, uh, from a sports betting perspective, uh, you know, a couple of sounds. I sure do love to hear the sound of the gate open and then the, the roaring thunder of the horse is busting out. That's a, that's, you know, sign me up for that every single day. Oh yeah. And when I go to the track, you know, I, I'm not sitting in, I'm not sitting up high watching everything. I'm right on the field. I'm right at the gate. I got my position. I need to be like up in the action because I'm constantly walking around, you know, I, I'm not a big horse better when it comes to online or watching, you know, TVG or whatever, because I'm old school. I need to be at the track. You know, I'll do my research in the morning. I'll do my handicap, but I need to go to the stables. I need to look at the horses getting ready. I need to see what kind of attitudes they have. Horses do have plenty of attitude and I just need to get my feel for them. So I'm an old school better like that. How about yourself? That's exactly the way I do it. It's yeah. You, you have no idea how much you miss if you watch a race on a, on a televised screen. It, it's just one thing to watch it and, and, and see them in the paddock and, and, you know, getting their walk around. And it's another thing to actually be there and watch them and see, are they sweating? Are they not? Uh, are they happy, you know, on this day? Maybe the favorite simply is just not interested in entering the gate. How about rolling into the gate? Uh, you know, that's another thing. Maybe they're just simply not interested in the day, uh, no, no matter how good. A performance they've put in their, in their past. So there's so much more that you can glean from having a day at the track than just, you know, you know, betting them and, you know, obviously off track, you know, which is where the you know vast majority of, of dollars get placed anyway, but I completely agree with you. Give me my sunglasses, give me my cap, give me my form and get me down right there on the rail. Don't forget the beer. <laughs> Never forget the beer. Nope. We got to have that nice. Co- well, I, you know what? I only ever have my first drink after I win my first bet. I won't, I won't have a beer or any, or a margarita or any other type of drink until after I win my first bet. So, <laughs> you better show deal with them in the first race. <laughs> oh man. I mean, sometimes I've had to wait till race seven or eight. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> <laughs> and especially on the hot days, I'm like, oh man, this is just, I need to hit something real quick. <laughs> But yeah, for our listeners who really aren't into, before we go, our listeners who are, we are, who aren't really into horse betting right now, you know, just do yourself a favor, just whatever's the closest racetrack to you, just get up one Saturday, Sunday morning, just go to the racetrack. You know, the, the beauty about horse betting that people don't understand too, it, you know, you could just have fun making $2 bets all day, you know, bet $2 on someone to win. I've taken friends to the racetrack where they have, they knew nothing a about betting and b about horses, but they'll put $2 on a bunch of favorites throughout the day. And they just get caught up in the excitement of watching your horse win. Sure. Maybe you win $4 net, 
but you know, that's just fun. And you know, you don't, you're not, it's not like Vegas you go through when you blow through, you know, a couple hundred just sitting on the craps table for 20 minutes. You know, it, there's just nothing like horseback or horse racing, you know, Robert. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, I, you could have an entire day, uh, you know, go by and, you know, have it cost you less than a movie ticket, no doubt. Yep. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Again, Robert and I can just keep talking and talking and talking. But next week, as I mentioned, we will have plenty more NBA talk for you. We'll see how these semifinals are going. Who knows? Maybe some of the series are over by the time we talk again next week. We will recap the Kentucky Derby as well. Hopefully we'll have some surprises for you with the Derby. But if it's just the favorites, still, that's always a fun time to talk about because we'll have the Preakness coming up as well. And we'll touch on a little bit of NHL hockey. I know just from personal experience doing podcasts and other things, you know, hockey is not one of the most talked about sports for sports betting, but I do bet NHL hockey because I love NHL hockey in the postseason because I do love the postseason and I love the series betting. So we'll get more into that next week too. Uh, Robert, before we go, any last words? Yeah, no doubt. Just same as every single week, everybody stay sharp, do your homework. Make sure you do everything you can to understand who's playing, who's not. Injuries are always going to be a major factor no matter what. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week. Take care.